Chapter 15, verses 1 through 32. Chapter 15, Burkett Notes. This chapter consists of three parables. The design and scope of all is this, to represent the great tenderness and compassion of God Almighty towards the vilest and worst of sinners upon their sincere repentance and how highly pleasing it is to God when they do so. This is expressed by three parables. One, of a man seeking diligently a sheep that he had lost, and having found it, rejoiced greatly and invited his neighbors to partake of his joy. Two, of a woman having lost a piece of silver and seeking carefully till she had found it, and then in like manner rejoicing with her friends for her good success. Three, of a prodigal son, who having spent his time and consumed his estate in riot and excess, at length returns to his father's house and is joyfully received. Verses 1 and 2. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. Burkett notes, The publicans and sinners, as they had done several times before, came to hear our Savior's instruction. He treated them very kindly and conversed familiarly with them. At this the Pharisee were displeased and murmured, censured our Savior for too much familiarity with those men whom they looked upon as scandalous to converse with, not considering that he conversed with them as their physician, not as their companion, and therefore his proper work and employment lay among his patients, and that he might give all possible encouragement to the repentance of the greatest sinners, he sets forth at once the tender care of God in recovering such lost sinners, and the inexpressible joy that is found in heaven at the welcome news of their recovery. For thus it follows in the parables. Verses 3-7 through seven. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, till he find it? And when he hath found it, he lay it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons, which need no repentance. Burkett notes, In this parable Christ compares sinners to sheep going astray, and God the Father to a tender and careful shepherd, seeking his stray sheep, wherein he secretly taxes the Pharisees for their uncharitableness in censuring him, for conversing with publicans and sinners, and for their envy at the recovery of such sinners by repentance, assuring them that they are far from the temper of the holy angels, who rejoice more at the news of one notorious sinner's conversion than for many righteous persons who went not astray. Like as a father is touched with a more sensible joy for the recovery of one son who is dangerously sick than for the health of all the rest who are in no such danger. From the whole, note 1. That the creature's aberration may serve for our instruction. The sheep straying away from us should put us in mind of our wandering away from God. 2. That Christ, the great shepherd of his church, which with vigilance and care seeketh up and findeth out his lost sheep and will never give over his search till he hath found them. 3. That the recovery of one lost sinner by repentance is a matter of exceeding joy and rejoicing to Christ, the Great Shepherd, and to all the blessed company of heaven. 
there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, or changes the whole course of his life, more than over ninety and nine just persons that need no such repentance. The opening of a sinner's heart to Christ makes joy in heaven, and occasions triumph in the city of our God above. And when a young prince is born, all the kingdom rejoiceth, and the conduits run wine. So when a soul is born to Christ under the gospel, oh, what a mighty satisfaction it is to the heart of Christ and to all the angels and saints that another soul is espoused to him. O sinner, Christ never rejoiced over thee before. Thou hast grieved him and wounded him a thousand times, but he never rejoiced in thee till now. And if there be such joy in heaven at the conversion of a sinner, Lord, what rejoicing there must be at the glorification of saints. Verses 8-10 through 10. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Burkett notes, The scope of this parable is the same with the former. One, to express the joy that is found with God and his holy angels at the recovery and conversion of a notorious sinner. Two, to justify Christ in conversing with such sinners in order to their repentance and conversion from the malicious reflections of the Pharisees made upon our Savior for doing so. The sense of the word seems to be this. If you do all justify the diligence and care of a woman, using all possible means to recover the loss of a piece of silver that hath Caesar's image upon it, why, might our Savior say, will ye Pharisee censure and condemn me for seeking to recover and save lost sinners that have an image of a holy God stamped upon them? Learn hence, 1. That the conversion of a sinner from a coarsed state of sin and wickedness is highly acceptable and pleasing unto God. 2. That it is reasonable to suppose that the holy angels in heaven do conceive a new joy at the notice and news of a sinner's repentance and conversion unto God. How the angels come by this knowledge, whether by virtue of their ministry here below, or whether God is pleased to reveal it to them above, as a thing extremely welcome and delightful to good spirits, tis neither material to inquire nor possible to determine. But their happiness not being intensively infinite, it is certain that they may be happier than they are. Note 3, that God is not only willing to receive and embrace repenting and returning sinners, but the news of their repentance is entertained with so much joy in heaven that if it be possible for the blessed inhabitants of that place to have anything added to their happiness, this will be a new accession to it. For though the happiness of God himself be intensively infinite and can have nothing added to it, yet the happiness of angels and glorified spirits, being but finite, is capable of addition. And as their knowledge and love do increase, so their felicity may be growing and improving to all eternity, so that it is reasonable enough to suppose that there is really joy among the angels and spirits of just men made perfect over every sinner that repenteth. Verses 11 through 24. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, 
and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of the hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found and they began to be merry. Burkett notes, In the two former parables of the lost sheep and the lost groat, which represented to us the great pains and care which Christ takes for the recovery of lost sinners, in this third parable of the prodigal son, is shadowed forth unto us with what great readiness, joy, and gladness our Heavenly Father receives repenting and returning sinners. In the face of this prodigal, as in a glass, we may behold first a riotous sinner's aversion from God. Secondly, a penitent sinner's conversion to God. Thirdly, a pardoned sinner's acceptance and entertainment with God. From the whole learn one, what is the nature of sin and the practice of sinners. Sin is departing from God, and every sinner doth voluntarily and of his own accord depart from him. He took his journey into a far country. Learn, too, the great extravagancy which sinners run into when they forsake God and give up themselves to the conduct of their lusts and vile affections. He wasted all his substance with riotous living, that is, spent his time and consumed his treasure in riot and excess. Observe three, that sin will certainly bring men into straits, but straits do not always have to bring men off from sin. He began to be in want, yet thinks not of returning to his father's house. Four, that sinners will try all ways and go through the greatest hardships and difficulties before they will leave their sins and return home to their heavenly Father. He joined himself to a citizen of that country and went into the fields to feed swine. He chooses rather to feed at the hog's trough than to feast in his father's house. Observe 5. At last the happy fruits of sanctified affliction. They put the prodigal son upon serious consideration. He came to himself, upon wise consultation, I perish with hunger, and upon a fixed resolution, I will arise and go to my father. Serious consideration and solid resolutions are great steps to a sound conversion and thorough reformation. Observe 6. The affectionate tenderness and compassion of the father towards the returning prodigal. Though he had deserved to be sharply reproved, severely corrected, and finally rejected and shut out of doors, yet the father's compassion is above his anger. Not a word of his miscarriages drops from his father's mouth, but as soon as ever the son looks back, mercy looks out, 
and the father expresses, one, his speedy readiness to receive his son. He ran unto him. The son did not only arise and go, but the father made haste and ran. Mercy has not only a quick eye to spy out a penitent, but a swift foot. It runs to embrace a penitent. Two, wonderful tenderness, he fell upon his neck. It had been much to have looked upon him with the eye, more to have taken him by the hand, but most of all to fall upon his neck. Divine mercy will not only meet a penitent, but embrace him also. Three, strong affectionateness, he kissed him, giving him thereby a pledge and assurance of perfect friendship and reconciliation with him. Learn hence that God is not only ready to give demonstrations of his mercy to penitent sinners, but also to give the seals and tokens of his special reconciled favor to them. They shall now have the kisses of his lips, who formerly deserved the blows of his hand. The father ran unto him, fell on his neck, and kissed him. Observe lastly the great joy that appeared in the whole house, as well as in the father's heart, upon this great occasion, the prodigal son returning. They all began to be merry. There was music and dancing. Learn hence that sincere conversion brings the soul into a joyful, into a very joyful state and condition. The joy of conversion brings in a holy and spiritual joy, a solid and substantial joy, a wonderful and transcendent joy, an increasing and never-fading joy. Our joy on earth is an earnest of the joys of heaven, where there will be rejoicing in the presence of our Heavenly Father and His holy angels to all eternity. Because we were dead, but are now alive again, we were lost, but are found. Verses 25 through 32. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid, that that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meant that we should make merry and be glad, for this thine brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Burkett notes, By the murmuring of the elder son at the prodigal's returning to and reception with his father, some think the Jews in general are to be understood, whose peevishness to the Gentiles and the repining at the offer of salvation made unto them by the gospel is very evident from many places of scripture. Others understand it of the scribes and Pharisees in particular, who presuming on their own righteousness as if they had never transgressed God's commandments at any time, murmured at our Savior for conversing with sinners, though it were in order to bring them into repentance, which instead of being forwardly discontented at, they ought to have rejoiced at. Learn thence that there is such an envious spirit in men, yea, even in the best of men, as inclineth them to repine at such dispensations of divine grace and favor as others receive, and they want. Two, that to indulge such a spirit and temper in ourselves argues great sin and great folly. Great sin in being dissatisfied with God's dispensations, 
and affronting his wisdom and justice, and great folly in making another's good our grief, as if we had less because another has more. The eldest son was angry and would not go in. It follows, therefore came his father out and entreated him. This shows the meekness of God in dealing with us under our forwardness, and the high satisfaction he takes in a sinner's conversion and returning to his duty. Lastly, this points out to us our duty to imitate God and be followers of him as dear children. Doth he rejoice at a sinner's return to his duty? So should we. Tis the devil's temper to regret and envy the good and happiness of others. He gnashes his teeth when the prey he thought himself sure of is snatched out of his jaws. But to God and all his holy angels, nothing is so agreeable as the repentance and conversion of a sinner from the error of his ways and the saving of a soul from death. This was looked upon as a resurrection from the dead and a ground of the greatest joy and rejoicing. It was meant that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Whence note that regeneration is the term from which all true pleasure commences. We never live a merry day till we begin to live unto God. When the prodigal son returned to his father, then, and not until then, they began to be married.